Hello and welcome to Sunday Messages with Fairmount Friends Church. We're so glad that you are joining us. You can find out more on www.fairmountfriendschurch.org. Here's Pastor Brock Meyer. Time. Thank you, Pastor Andrew, for our children's lesson. It's going to go downhill from here, but uh, that was the highlight for sure. That was awesome. Um, I don't know what the girls looked like from this view, but from my view, looking at all the boys, it was awesome. Watching boys uh, engage was super fun. Hey, I want to preach a message to you this morning just titled Scars. And we've all got them. We've all got scars. And just for a moment, I want you to think, what's the biggest wound that has happened in your life? What's the thing that dinged you the most? Maybe as a, as a kid growing up, um, maybe a parent passed. Maybe parents separated. Maybe some words that were spoke over you or your dad kind of came hard on you for these certain reasons. What's something that is, is an ache? And as you aged and you came into your 20s, 30s, 40s, what then became, you started noticing because of these scars, because of these wounds, my life has headed this way or I respond to things in a different way because of the different pain that's happened. Or maybe I don't trust anymore because trust has been broken time and time and time again. And I'm just not going to to go there anymore. Maybe as we mature into our elder years, are there different scars now? Some different pains that have happened. And could we look back on some of those original moments that dinged us so much? Did it so mess us up that the trajectory of life headed in a completely different direction? Maybe it was a relationship that just took us in a different place. Sometimes... Whenever you get a group of guys around each other, we like talking about our scars. And we, the story just gets bigger and bigger and bigger all the time. Hey, let me tell you, this one came because, you know, I was out hunting. And, you know, the, uh, the, this wild bear was coming for me. He was like, no, you weren't. You were in your backyard and you shot a rabbit with a BB gun. Like, we know what happened. And you happened, you know, you shot your toe, whatever. But the, but the story just gets bigger and bigger. This last week, um, I got a few uh, scars because I'm putting together a, a, a raised flower gar- or a raised garden bed for Alyssa. And it's got um, metal um, that goes, galvanized metal that goes around the sides. Well, whenever you cut it, it gets incredibly sharp. Like, incredibly sharp all over my hands. And so I've got a little nick here that's healing very nicely and I've got one here that I just kind of grabbed it and just slid my hand right down the side of it it was brilliant Um, and so that one kind of opened me up but the biggest one was on my thumb and as I was cutting with some of these uh, snips I'm I'm coming and a piece of it's peeling down the other piece is up and I'm telling Alyssa I was like everything's fine if I just go slow and I'm going slow but then I get impatient and I start moving faster, and I slide it right here as it comes up the side of my hand. I'm like, oh, I can feel it. Oh, that one felt. And then it, it kind of turns white for a second, and then the skin just starts separating, right? And then little beads of blood come up to the top. And I'm like, 
Oh, and I just squeezed my hand and whew, it just starts running. The blood was just running down. And there was a part of it that really hurt. And there was a part of it that kind of hit me with some pride. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm blood, sweat, and tears over this thing. There's something about sharing uh, the, the story. And I'll tell you this, your scars are your story. And to tell your story without the pieces of the pain is to leave out significant things that God has done through your life. It's, there's something about it. I'll tell you, my dad, he's got this big scar that comes from, from somewhere here in his hand up his arm. And the scar is a reminder. Scars remind us of the story. And so he'll tell the story. We're riding four-wheelers at the Badlands. We're at, we're at Attica, and we're riding four-wheelers up, and I take one of the four-wheelers, and I go up this big hill, and I come up, and you can't see, like, really where it lands up top. And finally, you pop over, and you're like, whoa, this was intense, only for it to go back down the other side. So you're flying in, and you just hit the brakes, and I come over to the side, and my dad comes following up behind me with not enough speed. How many of y'all know going up with not, not enough speed is not a good strategy for success? And so here he comes and he's coming up and as he gets right to the peak, I'm on, I'm on my other one and I see him and he looks at me just with these eyes of despair and hopelessness, knowing that the reality of what is about to happen I mean, the blood pressure is coming. I mean, the hyperventilating. I just see the fear in his eyes. And he goes, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. And this thing is steep that he's climbing. And so I hop off my foil. I'm, I'm just like, stay in the gas, stay in the gas. And I run to the end of the, of the hill. I'm just ready to reach out for the grill of this thing as it starts moving backwards. And it starts going sideways like this. I'm like, no, 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 no. I could just feel it. I'm saying, no, 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 no. There's like this freak out moment in me as he's going, as he's going backwards. And the thing flips over on him. The whole four-wheeler, boom, lands on him. And it's just crinkled metal and plastic just bouncing all the way down. I mean, it's bouncing down. And he hits and he just slides to the bottom and he's knocked out. Totally totally out. And I hop down, I'm sliding, I come down to the end of the hill, I'm like, Dad, hey, talk to me, stay with me, hey, stay with me. The four-wheeler's upside down, just leaking gas. Great. There's like, you know how, you, like they say, like, women, if your baby's like underneath a car, they like lift a car, they like, they hulk up. I grab this four-wheeler, flip it over, all of the handlebars are completely pressed down to the gas tank. I grab it, just throw that thing back in. I felt like I hulked up. It was awesome. I wish I would have been in a fight or something, because I could have taken on I mean, I was James Bond in this thing. And I run over to Dad, and, and he's got blood that's now coming out of his mouth. And it's, and it's dripping down, and he's, and he's out as it's, as it's dripping. I'm like, hey, you got to wake up. Come on. And I start calling, and there was like this prophetic thing that just hits my spirit. I'm like, come on, Ron Meyer. Let's go. Wake up. Wake up. you got to sit up. And speaking health and speaking life over him and just prophesying the life of God. Who knows what potentially could have happened in that moment because he... He, uh, he, was, he was knocked out. He was concussed. And he come, finally comes back up. And he's like, whoa, like what happened? And I'm like, well, you're going up this hill and just didn't have enough speed. And he came back down and the four-wheeler landed on you. And he goes, man, I think I hit my wrist. I think something happened to my wrist. I'm like, hey, just get up. And all of a sudden, he just gets super hot and just sweat just pouring out. So he takes his helmet off, he's got to take his vest off, he's like unbutton his shirt, you know, we're like, okay, hey, stay behind this bush back here. He's like taking all, he's like, he can't hardly 
you know, we get water. He sits down. He goes, what happened? <laughs> I said, well, we were going up this hill, and he didn't have enough speed. And, the, you know, flipped back down. He's like, okay. I said, do you want to try to get back to camp? We were camping uh, here. And he goes, yeah, okay. He said, I think I did something to my wrist. <laughs> So we hop on the four-wheelers, and we're driving, and we're going super slow. We're trying to, to, to drive back. And he goes, hey, hey, I think I did something to my wrist. <laughs> he was out of it. He was, he was gone. And we finally make it back to camp, and he hops off. And, and uh, my mom comes out, and Alyssa, and everybody's out there. And he said, hey, guys, I, something happened. Brock, tell him, what, what happened? <laughs> well, you were going up this hill. And I had to tell him this story probably four or five times because he was out of it. Now, he had to go have go surgery. He shattered his wrist in four different places, broke two ribs on his way down. He was, he was, it, was, it was rough. And this scar now shows, it, it's a story. It tells a story. It was painful. It wiped him out. It was hard. It, it created fear in the camp, right? What are those things that have created fear? But I can, I, just, can I just tell you that also those places of pain can be a powerful platform to be able to, to, be able to talk to people about different things that you have, have walked through. So I pulled Judah over here to the side. I said, Judah, I want to show you a picture of toughness. Here's your grandfather who did backflips all the way down this hill, not on purpose, and had a four-wheeler crush his ribs and shatter his wrist and concuss him, and he didn't cry. Look how tough he was. But when he gets around the presence of Jesus, he's a baby. He just cries, and he's just, oh, he's just this soft. Like, Judah, how can we be tough? Because I'm not teaching my son not to cry. Let's cry about the right things that move us. Let's be tough when we need to be, and let's be just, oh, let's just love Jesus. I'm like, this is a picture. It was a platform to speak into my son. He's just watching this thing. Like, you know, just eyes were, were wide open. And, and it seems like any time my dad and I do kind of some of those adventure sports, something is broken, usually on his body or on his machine. That he's. So we did a father-son trip. It was about two years ago on Father's Day coming up, where we went, we took our motorcycles to, uh, to Tennessee, to Gatlinburg, and we rode all through the Smokies, and Alyssa's dad and brother went, we did this father-son trip, and while we're there, on the last day, right before we leave, it had been a totally clean and safe trip, right before we leave, and we're staying up in this cabin where it's kind of tricky to get your bike up here, and then you pull into the cabin driveway, and it's all gravel, which is, which is tough going up a hill, and as we're getting this bike down and we're kind of getting it here the bike starts getting a little bit sideways and dad's trying to to keep it up we're just in the driveway thankfully we weren't going 70 mile an hour down the road we're just in the driveway and he's trying to hold it up and force it up and it falls down pins his ankle underneath and breaks his ankle and while in the process of this he's trying to hold up this 800 pound bike twists his knee, later to find out, he didn't go to the doctor until like a year and a half later, found out that he tore his MCL. So he had to have a, a foot surgery and, a, and a, a knee, I don't know what he had to do with his knee and he's in rehab and he's all these sort of things. And now he had never broken a bone in his body until I introduced him to some fun, you know, <laughs> motorsports. 
And now he's like got all these lines and cuts all over his body of like, you know, and his, he's full of metal. And I'm like, what in the world? But these are different scars and different stories. But we also have emotional scars and different pain that we've had to walk through. I have a scar right here. It's, thank God it's on the wrinkle of my head when my sister and I were jumping on our beds as kids. And I don't know if I just lost control. Probably what happened is she pushed me because she's redhead and she's fiery and she does that and I, my head goes slamming into the to the headboard boom and it just opens wide up just blood going everywhere and you know I'm crying all this sort of stuff and what we did then was you just take like a like a wet rag to it you'll be fine you'll be fine here we'll put an ice cube in it you'll be fine and I got a line across my forehead and it's a memory of something that was painful that hurt. I can go back to it. Just, I don't know, maybe a couple months ago. I'm, usually when we go to bed, like put the kids to bed, we get them all fired up. It's the wrong strategy. But we're throwing them on the bed and we're wrestling and tickling. And so I throw Judah on the bed and he hits and lands. And when you hit and land, you need to get off because the next kid's coming. We know this. Judah, it's your fault. You know this to be true. And so I grab Nora and here comes Nora and I'm throwing her and Judah hasn't moved yet. And halfway in, I'm like, no. <laughs> and here she comes launching, and Judah was so impressed with how he flew through the air, he wanted to tell me about it, and like halfway recreated, he's like, Dad, what I did was I was going like this, I was going like this, and boom, Nora comes and lands on him, and her chin right on the back of his head, and that chin just goes, whoo, just splits wide open, and she just looks at me, it took a second to sit in, and just spilt blood all down the front of her shirt. Grab her, get her in the tub, strip her down. And I'm thinking, all we need is a wet rag. Put that wet rag on. It worked. It worked 30 years ago. It'll work now. Alyssa wasn't having it. She calls Missy, the nurse, come over here. You know, everybody's looking at it. We end up going to the emergency room. They had to put, like, baby, they call them uh, baby stitches, which basically is that you pinch it and just put glue in there. Um, and, and this whole deal. And now she's got this scar. We've all been through something, and it was your dad threw you on the bed, maybe emotionally, maybe pain, whatever those things are, and now we're walking, we're limping through life. I'm aching. If this hurts, something is off. It wasn't supposed to be this way. Something happened. And if we go all the way back to the beginning with Adam and Eve, something was broken. It wasn't, this wasn't the original script. It seems like it should have gone a different way. And many times it's the people I trusted are the ones that have hurt me the most. Flip with me in your Bible to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, we're going to look at Jesus. And how does Jesus do this thing when it comes to our scars? John chapter 20 and starting in verse 19. So Jesus has now gone to the cross. He's endured the most intense beating known to man. His body is just completely racked. And he now has resurrected. He's coming back to show off to his disciples. And he shows up. 
in a room that's completely locked. He walks through the doors or he just teleports or something, and boom, Jesus is in there. He's in the room. And it says they don't even recognize him. Now, either Jesus just looked like everybody else or there was something mysterious that he was kind of disguising himself. They didn't even recognize him until he says, no, trust me, it's me. Put your hand in your side. Guys, check this one out. And, and I know we kind of read this story almost like somber, like, and Jesus showed him their hands. And then he said, put your hand into my side. Look at my feet. Like it's like super practical, you know, like this, you know, I don't know, overly religious moment. I think it was Jesus hanging out with his dudes, hanging out with his guys. Like, guys, look at this one. This is where they stuck me through with a sword. Oh, put your hand inside of it. Like, whoa. Like, put your hand through. Oh, is that cool? Guys, check out my hands. What they did here is they had railroad spikes, and they drove these nails through my hands. Didn't even break a bone. It went right between my fingers. It was unbelievable. Not a... Not a single bone was broken on Jesus, by the way. Look at my feet. Let me tell you what they did with my feet. They stacked them on top of each other and then drove spikes through them. Wild. That one hurt. Can I tell you how bad that one hurt? That would be a little bit more intense than the splinter that I got from my garden bed. So Jesus is showing off his scars and his wounds to his disciples. But Thomas is not there. And so Thomas hears later about all of these wounds. And he says, I'm not going to believe it until I see it. So let's see what Jesus does with Thomas. Verse 24 says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. They must have had life group every week. And Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and still believe. Jesus did many miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which were not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. It's interesting that they didn't recognize Jesus, nor would they believe that it was Jesus until they saw the scars. I want to tell you this. Jesus is identified by his scars. Even in the songs that we sang today, we didn't just say that Jesus is the lamb. We intentionally sang he's the lamb that was slain. We don't just talk about that he's the Lamb of God. We talk about the suffering of the Lamb of God. There's something different when it comes to God and Jesus, and it's a thing of painful suffering and scars. And also, he will bear his marks for all of eternity. Do you find it fascinating that when Jesus was 
got his renewed body, he came back alive, that he didn't get a healed and whole glorified body. He got a body that was still marked up, still bearing the marks of his suffering. I used to think whatever happened in your life, that was 10 years ago. Let's go. Let's get with it. Whatever happened in your life, that was 40 years ago. Come on, let's, let's go. And maybe as the Lord does some different things in me, and maybe just as I mature and understand just how we process through pain, perhaps we'll carry those painful marks for the rest of our lives. Not that we didn't get healed. I mean, my body's healed, but I still have scars on my body. Nora's healed, but potentially will have a scar on her chin the rest of her life. Jesus identifies his biggest triumph, and he'll bear his marks for all of eternity. Do you know that we're going to see a body of Jesus that's completely beaten and broken down, but totally glorified and amazing, but he'll bear the marks for all of eternity. I'm reading this book. It's the Reagan Diaries, and Ronald Reagan in here, he tells this story, and I want to I want to read this story to you. This was Tuesday, June 16th, and the, uh, it was 1981. And he tells the story of who he met here. He said, my first meeting of the day was with Mrs., and give me grace here, Sharon, Sharonowski. No, it's not Sharansky. And a young Jewish refuge from the Gulag who was 10 years in prison. They came to see me. Mrs. S., and I'm thankful that President Reagan called her Mrs. S., that's more helpful, married her husband 10 years ago. She had a visa to leave Russia for Israel the day after the wedding. She left. The authorities told her the groom would be allowed to leave very soon and join her. He is in the gulag, was never allowed to leave, is said to have been an American spy, which he never was. Dang those inhumane monsters. He is said to be down to 100 pounds and very ill. I promised I'd do everything I could to obtain his release and I will. Then it moves on to the next day. And then he diaries about the next day. He journals about the next day. And I go back, I'm like, well, did he ever? Like, he promised this lady, this guy's wife, that he would. What did he do about it? So I did some research. His name is a little bit more complicated than what he eventually kind of changed his name to, but it's Natan Shranransky. And I just wrote here inside this book, I just did some research, Reagan was true to his word. Not only was this man freed from prison, he and his wife both received the Congressional Gold Medals, the Presidential Medal of Freedom from President W. Bush, and the Reagan Freedom Award. And he also just recently, and I've got a picture of him right here meeting with Reagan whenever he was set free. Reagan was the one who talked about the Soviet Union and called him uh, the evil empire. I mean, 
what Reagan would have been on Twitter would have been so amazing and entertaining, right? Because he just spoke, and he would call him out, you're evil. You're an evil empire. And he starts setting people free. And what he did was a prisoner exchange to get this, to get this man out. And another picture where he's receiving the presidential Medal of Freedom. And now he is on this freedom movement because sometimes our biggest pain is also the thing that we care about the most to help set other people free. Many times it's what you have gone through in your own story, in your own testimony, that you now have insight like you never had before. You can talk about how do you work past after divorce to move towards some health and life? How do you, how do you still have hope after a spouse has been, has been gone? How do, you, how do you raise up kids whenever they're not always awesome? You now have some experience. And now he is this man who's passionate for freedom. He just recently got an award like in April, uh, March or April. And, and part of this award is he won, he got like a million dollars, which he turned around and donated it all back to coronavirus relief. Like this guy is big time on serving others. And whenever the goal is just self-preservation and licking my own wounds and just trying to limp through life, I'll tell you, you just kind of focus on the wounds and limping through life. But when the goal becomes about serving others, now all of a sudden, these wounds don't make you weak. They actually empower you to impact others. Does that make sense? Not that that stuff didn't happen. Not that we don't acknowledge it anymore. Not that we don't still care about it. But there's a lot of other people that are going through stuff that we say, hey, put your hand in my side. I want, to see, I want you to see this, and how can I reveal something awesome about Jesus? Hey, come over, come over to my house. I want to tell you my story and how I've busted through to get, to get through this. It used to be something that was painful, but man, it's, something, it's not just something that I endured. It's something that I have just gotten through, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to another level in it. It's not just a hurt. I've now been healed. And it's now a testimony. It's not just something that has been a pain. It now is a platform because I've persevered. I've gone to another level. It truly can be something that you use. It's not something, you know, whenever I, I got this scar, I was just overwhelmed. But the scar reminds me that I overcame. I endured. I'm still standing. My body is racked with scars. Let me tell you about this time when I broke my arm. Wow, that was wild. Let me tell you, whenever I broke my collarbone, I was in sixth grade, broke my collarbone. My mom was actually at the school. She was working. She was helping with, uh, she was helping with uh, lunch during that time. She was like a lunch aide or whatever. And I break my, sh my collarbone at recess. We were playing tackle football, and we weren't supposed to. We went like way far out. You know, like Liberty, they had like that peninsula like way far out is where we go play. And, and I break my collarbone, and I come running in. Mrs. Jones, stop blowing your whistle at me. I need to go in. Right? And, I, and I just run right down the, the hallway. I know that my mom is there. And she's like, hey, you'll be fine. I still have to clean up the kitchen from lunch. I'm like, ah, I'm like sucking wind here. I'm, I'm hurting. And I lay on this cot in the nurse's office. And I think they like gave me a Band-Aid and a, you know, a Tylenol. I don't even know if they can give Tylenol. Whatever. I just laid there until finally she got done. She's like, Ah, he's just overreacting. It'll be fine. I mean, it's not falling off. It's not flopping or anything. After that, we go, we go to, to the doctor. I had a broken collarbone that she made me lay there for an hour while she cleaned the kitchen. There are these, these things that we've had to walk through, and maybe somebody didn't pay attention. 
Maybe somebody didn't care. They were, they were busy doing other stuff, and we were just left. Whatever the story is, we've got to move from those places. We've got to get stronger and say, man, I want to use my story. Your scars are your story. And to not be ashamed of the hurt and the pain and the abuse that we've walked through. Let's get healed from the shame. And let's say, God, how can you, how can my scars glorify you? Jesus says, don't take my scars, baby. I want to wear these, I want to wear these marks for all of eternity. Don't take them away. Because this is a powerful reminder of what I've been through. And how I've brought healing to so many other people around me. The word scar, the, the actual Greek word, is stigmata. The word stigmata is often used for, like, to brand, like a farmer would brand a, a cow. They would take that hot thing and just stick it on their skin and brand them. This cow belongs to me. I own it because it's got a big old M on it. Or to make it even more awkward, it would have a big old BM on it. <laughs> I put my BM right there on that cow. And I marked it. It's mine. In the same way, Jesus has been marked. He's been branded. I'm God's forever. I've laid my life down. I've, I've got a, the stigmata all over my body. And church, I just want to tell you, can you just submit your scars and all of the pain and all of the wounds and say, Jesus, I'm yours. All of this is from you, it's through you, and now it's back to you. I surrender. Bring your healing. And don't only just heal me, God. Use what the devil meant for evil. You flip the script and you use it for your good. And help people because of what you've done in, in my life. I'll wrap with this scripture. And then we'll do a little bit of some, just some silent time where we'll sit. Just for a moment. This is Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5. And it talks about this coming king. In the entire scripture, I always thought about just this is what Jesus had to endure for our sins. But the focus is on all of the pain and the marks and the wounds that he had to endure. It says he was pierced for our transgressions. And he was crushed for our iniquities. That the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. I'll tell you this, we're saved by his scars. And we're healed from our own. Because of his wounds, I'm healed. Let's just sit for a moment and think, what are the pains, what are the wounds, what are the marks that possibly we're walking through with life? And let's ask Jesus to come into that spot and just heal us. And then let's say, not just heal us to where I can just move forward with life. Redeem it so that I can use it for a purpose in life.
So we're so glad that you were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or your preferred podcasting app. Be sure to rate us so other people can know about the podcast.